We are one week closer to Christmas. Christmas is next Sunday. I don't, I don't, yeah. I mean, I'm ready for it, but also I'm not ready for it. Um, and we've been doing lots of Christmas celebrations. I really enjoyed last week at Matt and Rebecca's. That was a really fun time. It was fun to try and sing parts again. I haven't actually tried to sing off of music, like in four-part harmony for a long time, and that's a boy who grew up, grew up Mennonite, and that's all we did, right? We didn't sing other songs, so um, that was fun again, and uh, we had lots of sugary goodies and lots of sugary drinks to go with those goodies, so that was fun. Uh, I'm really grateful for that memory, Um, but this season, this series uh, that we're talking about is really what we've been addressing the reality that the gospel of Jesus and the coming of this Messiah, this, this birth of this baby, is good news of great joy for all people, right? For all people. That's the specific message that the shepherds get from the angel. Um, And we've been really honing in on that idea that these shepherds um, who lived uh, basically a life of kind of being overlooked, it was good news for them. They got this sign that specifically said, this is for you. The baby will be found in a manger, a livestock feeding trough. Who else is going to get that sign but the shepherds, right? The shepherds got it because of that. It's good, and that was a signal. Like, this is good news for you too. You're included, right? Um, Zachariah and Elizabeth, who seemed to fit the part of insiders, but probably felt and experienced a life of being outsiders because of this one thing, they could not have a child, right? And so their experience was looking like an insider, but being outsiders. And God, in that situation, reached in and said, listen, even though people don't know you might be experiencing this, that you you feel this, you look like you fit. I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. I see you. Um, You are known and you are a part of this good news too, right? And today, the third message in this series, uh, we're gonna continue to flesh that out some, um, really along the same lines. I hope you're not tired of it, hearing that Jesus loves you and, you're included, and he wants to walk with you and you to walk with him. I hope you don't get tired of that, right? Can we get tired of that? I don't think we get tired of that. Um, this morning, I want to talk about the Magi who come to visit this young Jesus. Thank you. So disruptive, jingling all the way. All right. Unbelievable. Can't believe you. <laughs> um, the Magi, right? These Magi represent unquestionably outsiders, right? These are the people who are um, outside of really the realm of what's happening here, right? They're magi. They're not Jewish. They're magi, right? They're Easterners. They're, they're foreigners. Um, and so we're, we're kind of honing into this idea a little bit more. And if you've noticed, we started out kind of on a small scale of, of the feeling of being an outsider, but looking like an insider with Zachariah and Elizabeth, right? So that's kind of like here. Then we increased it last week, and the shepherds kind of looked like outsiders, but they weren't really pushed out. They were just kind of overlooked, right? Well, now we've got these magi who are unquestionably over there, right? They are unquestionably outside of what's happening in, in this thing. And um, so they've got a totally different experience in this coming of the Messiah and and what's happening here. But it is well-defined that these guys stood over there. There is nobody in Bethlehem and Jerusalem who would have seen them coming going, oh yeah, they're with us, okay? It didn't happen, 
right? They were not a part of what was happening here. Um, and so I want to spend a little bit of time. I want to read this story, well, the first part of it anyway. Um, and there's a, really just a couple of things that I want to hone in on and, and talk about. Just because you heard the story before, don't tune out, right? Listen, pay attention. What do you notice? What questions come up as you're reading it? All that kind of stuff. All right, so uh, Matthew chapter 2 is where we're going with this, and it says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, and from you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. All right. So the story continues on, right? The wise men, we call them wise men. They're magi. They're not really, I don't know. They're magi, the wise men. If I use it, it's interchangeable. Um, the story continues on that Herod then understands from these scribes and Pharisees where the Messiah is supposed to be born because the magi are inquiring about him. It's in Bethlehem. And uh, he, he secretly calls these magi to him. I don't know why it's important that it's secret, but it's a secret meeting. Maybe he just doesn't want to call attention to what they're there for or, or gain excitement or whatever. So he calls them to him and he finds out like when this star appeared. Like when, where, give me the details, guys, right? Um, and so uh, they tell him, and he says, okay, the Messiah is supposed to be in Bethlehem. Why don't you go find him, and then after you worship him, return to me because I want to worship him too, right? So tell me where he is, where I can find him, and, uh, and then I can worship him too. And uh, so the Magi do. They go to Bethlehem, and they worship. They find Jesus, the child, it says, uh, in the house, so he's not in the stable anymore. It's later on after he's grown just a little bit probably. Um, but they worship, and they offer their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, but an angel appears to them and says, don't go back to Herod, because his intent is not to worship, right? His intent is to get rid of this baby, this competition, um, and, uh, and so they don't, or they, they don't, go, don't go back to Herod. They go a different way, um, and the worst part of this story is that Herod responds to this, to being avoided by the Magi and, say, and, and not being able to get rid of this child. He responds by get ridding, getting rid of all the children in Bethlehem, all the boys that are two years old and under. Like that is a horrific detail. He, go, he gets rid of them. That means he kills them, okay? Um, and we look at Herod's actions in that moment and we're like, wow, that's drastic, right? Um, that is extreme, but it's actually very fitting of who Herod was, of what we know from history. A couple years before this all happened, um, he murdered, he had two of his sons executed and his favorite wife executed because the, the people liked them better than him. He was very suspicious, right? He was notoriously ruthless with anybody he saw as a threat. And so that's why he's trying to get rid of this new king that these outsiders are coming to worship and recognize as, as a king and all this, right? He wants to get rid of any threat. Um, and, uh, and so the Magi involved in this thing, I don't want to spend a ton of time because 
it's, it, it's largely established in, in the last, you know, I don't know how many years that, you know, these guys weren't three kings. They were magi. Who were the magi? What were they? Where, what were they about? Um, really all we know from scripture is that they were from the east, right? Um, they came from the east, which can mean a lot of things, but I think mostly it means they were not from here, right? Does that make sense? Matthew is writing this going, the magi from the east. In other words, they came from outside of us here. Um, and so he's establishing that these guys were not a part of the Jewish culture. They were magi. They were men from a different place, from a different culture, who studied astrology. They studied astronomy. They were men who were said to study the secrets of nature, right? Um, and so just by using this title, Magi from the East, or that statement, there's kind of already this like air of mystery about these guys, just because of what they represented. Um, and we don't know, was it just a couple of guys? Was it three? Well, they brought three gifts, but we don't know if there were three men. Church tradition says yes, but we also know that they gave them names, and we don't know where those names came from, um, And because that's not in the scripture. Were this, was there a bunch of them, and did they have guards with them? Did they have a whole caravan with them because they were expensive gifts, or was it just a token, right? I just brought a couple of gold coins. The song says three, three. I know what the song says, J.D. Okay. I'm going with scripture. You, go, you do what you want, right? But, but as I was looking at this, what really stood out to me um, when I started reading this, these guys are clearly, clearly defined outsiders, right? Clearly defined outsiders. They were foreigners in the clearest way. And what really stood out was that they arrived uninvited, okay? They were not invited to this party. They weren't a part of the family that was supposed to be celebrating this thing, okay? Um, they saw a star in the sky, yes, but there was no angel that appeared to him and said, hey guys, you're gonna find a baby if you go see him, right? They didn't, they didn't have that. Um, there is tradition that they would have known some of the Jewish prophecies and that's why they responded to this because they were familiar with those things. But they took it upon themselves to go and to take gifts and to worship this new king of the Jews. Nobody told them to come. Nobody asked them to come, right? And I think there's two invitations that happened. There's the Lord's invitation and there's the people's invitation, but they didn't have the people's invitation, right? They were not invited to this party. Do you ever have uh, an uninvited guest show up at a party? I was trying to think of a time when that happened for us, and I really can't, I really can't pinpoint anything, um, but you can imagine the scenario, right? You're having a party, neighbors hear the music, and they decide to come over because, hey, that sounds like fun, right? But it's a pretty exclusive party, um, and you're not really that fond of the neighbor to come over. Um, I can think of a lot of movie plots that go like this, right? And it kind of taints the party, right? You just like, ah. 
all right, I guess we have food. We got enough food. Come on over, right? Um, but it can dampen the mood. These guys are, that's what's happening, right? These guys are uninvited in a lot of ways. They're coming to worship the Jewish Messiah. We, we come to see the king of the Jews. They're even recognizing it. He's not our king, right? We're coming to see the king of the Jews. He was not their Messiah in the way that the people would have seen it. It was largely understood that the Messiah was a savior for the Jewish people, okay? The very exclusive thing. That doesn't have anything to do with the Magi. As a whole, the Jewish people were kind of a, an us and, and them mentality, right? Very us versus everybody else. They have a word to describe everybody else. If you have a word that describes, that separates you from everybody else on the planet, it's pretty exclusive, isn't it? Right? There's the Jews, that's us, and the Gentiles, that's everybody else who is not in my family heritage. Okay? It's very exclusive. In the Amish community, it's the Amish and the English. It doesn't matter if you're actually English or not, right? It's the Amish, you're part of us, or you're English, everybody else right? When you have a term that describes you and your people versus everybody else, it's like, <laughs> that's so, so narrowly focused, right? Um, it's a very exclusive thing. And it really sets up a mentality of us against the world. It's my people against everybody else. Because what happens for me is for my people but what happens for you that's not for me, well, you're against me, right? And we just can't do this thing. They were God's chosen people. Yeah, there's two kinds of plant, people on this planet. There's God's people, and then there's you. Right? I mean, it's exclusive. God's chosen people, the descendants of Abraham, and everybody else on the planet. And the Magi fell into the you, okay? They were not part of this party. They were Gentiles. They were from the east. The Magi first show up in our scripture as part of the Babylonian empire. King Nebuchadnezzar, right? They're, uh, they are advisors to the king. The Babylonian empire was, was a, a nation or a, a people who conquered Israel, right? So the Magi showing up is this link to our history and our past of being conquered, right? Us, them, very foreign, very foreign in that way. And I just think for these magi, it's such a bold move on their part. Not having been given a, an invitation by the people, not having any real connection to this scene at all, and yet they understand that something very very significant has happened in the birth of this baby. And so they come and they worship and they, they look for him, right? This king of the Jews, we wanna come and see him. We wanna experience this. So I have a couple of thoughts this morning linked to this idea. Number one, God is in the habit of inviting the uninvited, all right? God is in the habit of inviting the, and, and this is the whole premise for this series, Okay? We started out by, by saying the life and the ministry of Jesus 
in the life and the ministry of Jesus, he is constantly breaking barriers, constantly knocking down walls, making room for the unlovable and for the unseen and the outsiders and the overlooked and the weirdos and the misfits, right? Constantly. That's what he's doing in his ministry. It's Jesus's life. And we already see it here in the Christmas story before any of that ministry starts. We even see it to the point of breaking the most significant barrier that the Jewish people have set up. He includes these Gentiles. These Gentiles. And they were not everyday Gentiles, right? They were men who were respected in their community for knowing mysterious and strange things. They were pagan people. They were heathens. They were magicians who knew things that they shouldn't know, which is why they were consulted by kings about decisions that they should make or to interpret dreams because they knew things. They were men who consulted the stars in astrology. It's kind of outside the bounds of people who would have been invited to, to celebrate the Messiah, right? But remember, there's two invitations here. Two invitations. There's the invitation from the people that the people would have extended to embrace the Messiah. And then there's the invitation from God to embrace the Messiah. Because God did reach out to them specifically in a way that they understood specifically, right? He didn't send them a sign of a baby in a manger because what would that mean to them? No, he sent them a star. He knew where they'd be looking, right? They're constantly analyzing the stars, studying the constellations to know what, what's gonna happen, right? And they notice a star. Did anybody in Israel notice a star? The Magi did. It was God inviting them to be a part of this despite what his people understood. Who in your world is uninvited but would love to be welcomed? Jesus' birth was the beginning of whosoever. Whosoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. There are not qualifications in that statement. Whosoever. And we can say there's no qualifications because this Messiah is not about what you bring to him. This Messiah is about him coming to you and him making a way for you. And it's about him accomplishing on our behalf what we could never accomplish on our own and becoming something that we would never be able to become on our own. This is God reaching out to the pagan foreigners and it says, you're invited. You're invited. Even if the people who have known me the longest don't see it that way, you are invited. You're invited to experience the Messiah too. But what we know from our world today and from Matthew 2 is that when the uninvited show up, it's troubling to the established order, right? It, it ruffles from some feathers when the neighbor comes over uninvited and all of a sudden now the attention is on that person instead of the 
party, isn't it, right? When those who are uninvited by the people accept the invitation of God and show up, it's disturbing to the people. These magi arrive in Jerusalem and they start asking questions. What about, you, there's a, a, a new king that's been born. Do you, know, do you know the king? The king of the Jews, he's been born? Have you heard anything about this new king? We saw his star and we want to go worship him. What's the immediate response to that? Herod is troubled. The order, established order is troubled. And then it's not just Herod that's troubled. It says all of Jerusalem with him. They are troubled by this news. They are troubled by these people who bring this news. And you can get into why the people might be troubled by this, right? Herod is notoriously territorial, right? If he starts getting suspicious, he starts taking actions. We know that's exactly what happened. And the rest of Jerusalem is nervous because when Herod, who is in charge of this area, gets nervous, when he gets suspicious, when he gets uh, on edge, things start to happen, and we know that's not gonna be good, right? So we can talk about that all day long, but the bottom line is the establishment is troubled when the outsiders show up, when those who they believe are uninvited show up. These men who were not Jewish knew before they did that the Messiah had come. These men who were not invited to party knew that the party was happening before the people did. You think about that? That can't be right. What does this mean? Right? How is it possible that God invited you without clearing it with me first? Mm. Because for these Jewish people, their entire lives have been built off the understanding that we are God's chosen people. We are his special people. It's us versus everybody else. There is clear delineation between us and you, the people that God has chosen in the rest of the world. And for God to suddenly say, well, actually, everybody's invited. That's troubling. That's disturbing. When the uninvited or the act actually the, the people that we think are uninvited show up, it's disturbing for us. Because if there's anything that is comfortable for human beings in this world, it's to know where the boundaries are. It's to know our place. It's to know who's in and who's out. It's to know where the boundaries are. And when those boundaries are crossed, when our boundaries are crossed, it starts to shake things up a little bit, right? Because we don't all of a sudden know quite where we stand. And again, I'm wondering, who in your world is uninvited by the people, and let's just say it, the church? Who is uninvited by the church, but has actually been invited by God? And I wonder what happens when those people hear the invitation of God, and they respond to it, and they show up at the party then it's made clear that they're not welcome at the party. It happens all the time, unfortunately. 
I don't want to be that church. And here's the thing. For the Jewish people, these guys represent the uninvited, right? And the people are troubled when they show up because it's always been us against everybody else. It's the Messiah for the children of Abraham. But when you look at the promise that God gives Abraham, these men have been invited to the party all along. God invited everybody from the beginning of this. God told Abraham what? He said, I will bless you and your descendants, but that the whole world would be blessed through them, right? That his descendants would be many, and they would inherit a specific piece of land, but that the whole world would be blessed through them. This was never an exclusive party. It was never an exclusive party. The Messiah was not about the redemption of the Jewish people restoring Israel to its former earthly glory. The Messiah was about the redemption of all mankind, any who would come to him. It just happened through the Jewish people, right? God had a chosen set of people, but the the world would be blessed through those people, not that those people would be blessed and stay there exclusive on their own, right? All who would come, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all the people. If it's only good news for some people, it's not very good news for the world. There is no one who stands uninvited according to our God, according to the people That might be a different story, but according to our God, there is nobody who stands uninvited. He has made it clear that everyone is invited to this party. Now, I believe it's our job to welcome those people when they respond to that invitation. And remember, we're talking about an invitation to being born again. That's what this invitation is, right? for something radical to happen to us through the power of the resurrected Jesus. I'm not talking about converting to a new life philosophy and and following the teachings of Jesus because, man, that's a great way to live. I'm talking about the understanding that everyone is invited to be born again. Everyone. There is nothing that excludes you. I'm talking about the understanding that we have the opportunity to be redeemed and renewed so that we can walk in relationship with our Heavenly Father free from sin, free from guilt, and free from shame. These magi are a great reminder that you're invited, that there is not a past history or a future that excludes you. It doesn't disqualify you. We see it on through the book of Acts as these Jewish people discover all of a sudden, what it is for everyone to be included, Peter and Cornelius. You may or may not know the story. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is invited by Cornelius to come share the good news. Cornelius is a Gentile. Up to this point, the Gentiles have not been included. It's still been a Jewish party, right? And Peter says, okay, Lord, I guess I'll go. And he's up on a rooftop, and he falls asleep. He takes a nap. 
before he goes and he meets with the people and the Lord gives him a vision and he sees a sheet brought down in front of him and there is all kinds of food there that is considered unclean by the Jewish people, right? And the Lord says to him in this vision, take and eat. And Peter says, God, I can't eat any of that. It's unclean. And the Lord says, don't you dare call anything unclean that I have made clean. Peter says, okay, Lord, I'll take the message. And guess what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on those people. They get baptized. They get saved. They have an understanding of this is for us. Cornelius was a, was a faithful man. He just wasn't invited to the party, right? You're invited. Everyone is invited. And it's about you being made new. These magi are absolutely, unquestionably outsiders, and they knew before most of the Jewish people did. Now, the shepherds took some news the day Jesus was born, right? The night, whatever it was. They took some news to the people, and all who heard it were, were amazed that God would give them this clear sign that he was for them. But two years later, you know, news hadn't really spread that much because he's a baby, and what's he going to do while he's a baby, right? It's, oh, it's exciting, the Messiah. Well, now what? Two years. And then these magi come to town, and they're ready to worship, right? Magi. Magi? What? Pagans, heathens. Why would they know about this? How could they know about it when I didn't know about it? Because they go to Jerusalem first. They don't go to Bethlehem. They go to Jerusalem, and then they go to Bethlehem. So let's count, let's, let's count the people that God has included in this story, okay? Ready? We talked about Zachariah and Elizabeth feeling like outsiders. God said, nope, you're not. You're included. We talked about the shepherds who were largely overlooked, and, and they were a central part of society, but their experience was to not really matter. They were the background, right? They were included. The magi were included. Foreigners, Easterners, they weren't part of the party. Mary, this young girl, who is she? Why would she be chosen? Joseph, a man who is engaged to a pregnant woman. It wasn't his baby. Whose baby was it? I guess I'll trust you, God, right? This is the Messiah, right? Joseph was included. Simon, an older man who waited his entire life. Anna, a prophetess who waited her entire life for this Messiah. God is constantly saying, you are included. You are not overlooked. You have not been forgotten. You are invited to this thing. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. You're invited. You're invited to experience the Messiah. And life with our Heavenly Father because of it. You're invited. So I don't know if you've been one that's felt uninvited. Probably all have at some point, right? We've all felt left out, even if nobody else knows it. Or if you're just somebody who interacts daily with people who probably feel uninvited, and I think that's probably all of us, right? We get to let those people know, this is for you too. This is for you. This good news of great joy is for all people. He's not left us to our own devices. In fact, he accomplished it all for us. Everything.
Let's sing a few more songs about the goodness of our God and who he is for us. Why don't you stand on up to your feet?